I want you to imagine with me. Imagine with me for a moment that you cannot speak, that you can't even utter a word, that a virus has somehow attacked your, your voice box and you can't even say anything. You can't, you're left with an indiscernible whisper. Can't say anything. Imagine that somebody's talking to you. I ask Calvin a question, and Calvin, you can't respond because you have no voice left. If you've had laryngitis, you have kind of a, or if you've, if you've had laryngitis, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You have to go around writing things, you know. Yes, Mom, can I please have dinner now? Or, or something like that. Imagine that you can't speak at all. It was a great shock to my system when a, a voice specialist doctor from the U of M medical complex told me that I had a virus similar to what I've just described. When I went to India, a virus attacked a nerve that controlled my, my left vocal cord. And it wasn't as bad as what we just imagined, but I really could not talk normally. I really could not sing all for more than about two minutes. And this croaking sound that more resembled a bullfrog was more common. Like, ah! when I tried to speak, when I tried to sing, this lasted for eight months, eight, nine months. I went through therapy to try to regain my voice. It was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, I remember tears streaming down my face on a weekly basis for eight, nine months when I would try to talk, when I would try to share what God did in my life in India. I was going around to churches sharing about the ministry in India, and I could only speak for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I would get hoarse really bad. I couldn't sing at all. And from the time I was five years old, I was singing and talking all the time. And here I am, 23, 24 years old, and I can't really speak. Even now? By God's grace, this virus, whatever attacked my upper superior laryngeal nerve, which is fancy medical language for this nerve that controls the upper part of my left vocal cord, slowly dissipated. And uh, I praise God that by Christmas, uh, it was about 10, 11, 10 months since I got this virus, I, could, I was sort of back to normal. And then a few months later, I got almost a clean bill of health from this doctor. But I wonder, what if I could, what if my voice completely disappeared? What if I could not talk? What if I could not communicate with you at all? What if the virus has attacked all the nerves around my voice box and I had absolutely no voice? All I could give you is an indiscernible whisper. What if you could not speak? What if you got this virus? Or you got in a car accident and your voice box was damaged in such a way where you could not talk at all. If you could not say anything, how could we fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ gave to us when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel? Write the gospel. You could do that. And if you fail with that, then use your toes. <laughs> I love you, Cameron. <laughs> and your if you creativity with that, is awesome. Use your mouth. Then find a way to use your ears. Yeah, there is a there is a woman who's a quadriplegic. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. She lost the use of her. She can still speak and sing, but she lost these arms. She paints with a paintbrush in her mouth. It's pretty cool. You should see that sometime. But what if I, I like to talk? It's a lot easier to communicate, and people need to have words. And not everybody's going to 
read a sign if I'm carrying, I can write the gospel, you know, repent and believe in Jesus Christ and carry that around. People might read it, but that's not like the best form of communication. I might be able to write, but not everybody, especially lost people, probably won't read what I write. What about text? How would, well, follow me on this. How would I communicate the gospel if, how would we communicate the gospel? How would we shout out the name of Christ to people if we had no voice? There are people that are mute in this world. There are people that could not, cannot talk. The Bible says, I remember this passage in, in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, how will people hear if they do not hear the message? And how will they hear the message if there's not a preacher? Ever heard that passage before? And the verse before that in, in Romans chapter 10, it says, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So immediately I think, well, faith must be something of the heart. That's what Paul's talking about through the whole book of Romans. But, but if I have to preach the gospel for people to hear the gospel, what happens if I can't talk? Just keep that thought in mind. How can we share the gospel without using words? How can we share the gospel without words at all, if you were limited entirely. If you were limited entirely. Okay, look with me in the first chapter, uh, the first book of Peter, the first letter of Peter. And we're going to find two ways, two ways, in which I believe you and I can shout out Christ, shout out Christ without necessarily using words. The world actually is tired of hearing it. They're tired of hearing the message of the gospel. When I talk to people, they're like, I've already heard that before. Why do I want to hear that again? Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody or tried to and you get two sentences in and I've already been asked that question, shut up. Yes. Okay. I got a, I got an amen there. So I've had this experience where they'll literally say to me face to face, I've heard it all. I don't want to hear it again. What I really want to see, what I really want to see are Christians who actually look like Jesus Christ. And I think that's what Peter's going to talk about in this continuation of this letter that we looked at last week, and we looked at actually for the last five weeks or six weeks. Noah mentioned the previous, the last two verses that we looked at last week. It talks about how we've been called We've been chosen, we've become people of God's own possession, and we've been brought out of darkness into marvelous light. And we sing about that. And our job now that we've been brought out of marvelous light is to proclaim, is to make known, to, to shout out the worth of Jesus Christ. But these people are in a hostile environment. And we, you and I, are in a hostile environment where people are tired of hearing it. Because... The media is filled with reports of Christians, pastors, Christian leaders, evangelists, who preached, who yelled their lungs out, way louder than I could, with the gospel, and then they didn't live like it. So how will you and I communicate to people who don't want to hear it? How will the gospel, how will Christ get shouted out to people who don't want to hear the gospel? Turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. 
Peter writes, and he, and he calls them dear friends. Your translation might say dearly beloved or beloved. Brothers and sisters, we might say, or I love you, dear brothers and sisters. This is what you need to hear. If you think your, miss, your mission, as I've told you, is to proclaim the one, the worth of Jesus, who's brought you from darkness into light, who's given you mercy where you didn't have mercy before, the one who's chosen you, the one who's made you his own possession, who's brought you into his family. That's all really good stuff, isn't it? And we talked about how that needs to be the most valuable message that we are ranting about with passion everywhere we go. But we're in a hostile environment, and these people didn't really want to hear it, and people around us really don't want to hear it. They really don't. They want to see something. And so the Apostle Peter writes, Friends, I urge you, as aliens, remember my first message in the series, Live as Aliens? I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. So first remember that you are not really living in a place that's your eternal home. You live in a place that's not really where you belong. So remind yourselves that this is not where you're going to stay forever. You have a home in heaven. You have an eternal place with Jesus Christ. You don't really live to belong here to call this the only thing that there is. You're strangers here. You're here for a short time and you have one mission. So abstain. Abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. There is, there is a demonic strategy. There is an evil one, Satan, who has this strategy to put targets on the back of every believer, everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ, who says, yes, I'm a Christian, and to knock them, to attack them where their weakest points are. And for you, your lust problem might be different than my lust problem. We all have different lusts. We all have different desires. All have different things that we're driven towards. Some people are driven towards wanting tons of money and wealth. Other people are driven towards just being entertained all the time. Other people are driven towards thrill. Other people are driven towards immoral things, pornography, lust, sexual sin. And he's saying, don't even go there. Abstain. Run away from it. Shun those things that would, here's the first way, betray the worth of Christ. Betray the worth of Christ. Don't betray the worth of Christ. If Christ is really valuable to you, if he is everything to you, then you need to show that worth through the way you live. Because there are people around you who are sick of hearing it. And they want to see somebody who's actually living like the Bible teaches. There, there are stories. I, when I got to go into, when I started seminary down in Dallas, there was a pastor the year I left for seminary who was over a huge church in Colorado Springs called New Life Church. I have friends who went to that church. He planted the church in his basement. 
And it grew from 10, 12 people to like 10, 12,000. I visited the church one time when I was out in Colorado. And the year I left for seminary, his lust took hold of him. He started to value homosexual lust instead of Jesus Christ. And the whole story exploded all over the media. You probably remember this guy's name, Ted Haggard. And all of his church was reeling with the consequences of this. And he got kicked out of the ministry. There were drugs involved and all kinds of crazy stuff because he started to find worth and value and satisfaction in something other than Jesus Christ. It took a hold of him. It gripped his life. And the world salivates over stuff like that. They're like, oh, look at that guy. He's the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. Ha! He's on TV. And look what he did. He bought a, a, a lunch sack of methamphetamine, and he's got this, this sexual sin going on over here. Look at what a joker. What a, look what a hypocrite. I want to tell you tonight, abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. He's not the only guy. There are dozens and dozens of Christians, maybe that aren't on TV, maybe that aren't writing books, but they fail because they don't abstain from the lust, that are waging war against their soul. When I began training to be in the ministry, one of my professors said, because you've come to this school and you're training for the front lines, you automatically have a target placed on your back. Satan wants to knock you off the front lines. And right here, we are training to be youth unleashed, to go for Christ. And I've been talking with a, with a lady who's in charge of a mission in downtown Detroit. She wants us to go there and, and serve people. We're going to go out. Praise but God. don't forget that you have a target on your back. Don't betray the worth of Christ by the way you live. Don't betray the worth of Christ by the way you live. But it's not just a don't. Peter then goes in verse 12. He says, keep your behavior. You, if you're reading an older translation, it might say keep your conversation. But that's kind of old English for the way you live. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Excellent among. Among the people. So we're not to go off like Amish or Mennonite separatists and, and live in a little commune and build concrete walls and say, we're going to be really good and excellent right here all by ourselves. So they don't infect us. There are people like that. I have friends like that. <laughs> they might not be my friends anymore. <laughs> That's not what God is calling us to do. He said, go among the people. Go among the Gentiles. Go among the unsaved. Live among them. But keep your behavior excellent. Good. It's, it's amazing that the people among which we live know how we're supposed to live, even though they don't want to receive the gospel. And when they see our lives, they recognize the big disjunct, the big gap between what we say, we believe, and what we actually do. Verse 12 says again, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they are out to criticize you, to ridicule you. They might be even out to frame you. Seriously. How many of you heard of a pastor named Chuck Swindoll? 
he's pretty well known. Uh, if you listen to Christian radio, he's usually on there preaching in his, in his ministry called Insight for Living. He's a pastor down in Dallas, and he's the chancellor of the school I went to. One time he told us a story in chapel. He said he was, pre- he was preaching, teaching at a big conference at a huge hotel. And it was a long day and night of conference speaking. And he, he uh, finished up. There was nobody else around. Everybody cleared out of the, the conference hall and out of the hotel hallways. And he got his bag out of his car and he went over to the elevator. And as he just walked in the elevator... Two women walked in with him, and they grabbed either both of his arms. And they said something like, well, you want to come with us tonight? This is Chuck Swindoll. And he had a decision to make that night. He might have even been framed. There might have been a news reporter waiting around the corner just to frame him, just to say, this guy's a hypocrite, this guy is a fake and all that he preaches and all of this stuff is baloney. So he, he's standing there in the elevator with these two women. He said they were attractive women. And he said, you know, this might be fun for tonight. But I love my wife and I love my God more than the fun that I could have tonight. And then this passage from the Bible came to his mind. He said, whatsoever a man reaps, that will he also sow. And if I do this, Lord, he thought in his mind. I will reap the consequences. And not only me, but I'll do damage across the entire nation for so many people that have followed my teaching of your word for 60, 70 years. You might be framed. You might be ridiculed. You might be criticized. People will try to find stuff wrong with you and love to point it out. Look at Tim Tebow. People are just waiting for him to make a mistake. People are just waiting for him to make it to say a cuss word. It was several weeks, I don't know, maybe three months ago now, two, three months ago, and people were saying, I think he might have said a cuss word, and they were trying to evaluate this video camera and see if he mouthed the cuss word, and they didn't get it. And I'm like, they want us to be perfect. We know we can't be perfect apart from the grace of God, but that's why we need to be cautious how we live. Don't betray the worth of Christ. But here's the second point. It's not just don't betray. Display the worth of Christ through the way you live. That's what he's going to talk about in verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Excellent, above reproach. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, because they're looking to slander, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God. They may, because of your good deeds, because you're among them, you're not out in a concrete, confined commune somewhere. You're among people who need Jesus Christ. They're out to slander you. They may be out to frame you. But because of your good deeds, actually, it's the same word that's used for excellent in my translation, for good. It's excellent. It's attractive. Because of the good, attractive, excellent, beautiful things that you do as they watch you, as they observe you, they glorify God in the day of visitation. They may recognize God as God. God in his mercy, through them seeing the reality of the worth of Christ in your life, might change what they believe, might draw them to the gospel. That's the second way 
you and I can share the gospel. You can shout out Christ without necessarily using words. The world is tired of hearing it, as I said, and they want to see it. And the gospel of grace is how we are saved, not by good works, right? We're not saved. We're not justified in the sight of God by doing good things. But the gospel of grace is the, the effects of the gospel of grace are shown through good works. So if you're not doing excellent, attract, uh, attractive actions for Jesus Christ, if you're not showing the worth of Christ in your life, then you need to come to grips with the gospel of grace because the one doesn't go without the other. Another guy, James, writes about that in his letter to similar churches. So display the worth of Christ. And don't betray the worth of Christ through your life. Here's my big idea tonight, though. Here's my big idea tonight. Shout out Christ. Shout out Christ through attractive actions. Through attractive actions. Okay? So what does that look like? I want you to check out a, a video that really convicted me by the, the, the raw change that happens in this guy's life when he comes to grips with this message that, you know, they might hear me say the words of the gospel, but what they really need to do is see the gospel working out in my life. They need to see the change that Christ has made in my life. And so there's this, this music video, song written by Matthew West. I want you to listen to, watch carefully, and think about the people around you are watching. They're watching. They're watching to see what you do. The dozens of onlookers, thousands of onlookers in our community, in your school, uh, next to you in, uh, in your classroom, or maybe next door, or maybe when you go off to college, you get a job as an engineer or accountant or whatever, the person next to you in the cubicle, they often hear more loudly through what they see rather than actually what they catch in their eardrums. They need to see the worth of Christ in us. They need to be able to observe something, a behavior, a conversation that looks way different than the rest of the world. And if we're faithful to do that, if we give something for them to watch that looks like Jesus Christ, they may come to recognize God as God. They may glorify God. And when he comes, they will be his people. They will receive mercy. They will be God's own possession, just like you and I. But the mission is up to us. How are we going to shout out Christ through attractive actions? We can talk about it, but let me tell you, a lot of people are sick of hearing it. They want to see something. They want to see action. This video, this music video, gives you some ideas. Maybe these ideas of this, this guy noticing a widow, noticing a poor single mom, noticing a guy who feels like he's unloved. Maybe... Your scenario won't work out exactly like that, but trust me, there are opportunities for you every single day where you can love someone who feels unloved, 
share Christ with someone who's never heard before and needs to see the love of Christ in you. Someone who's hungry that needs food. Somebody who needs clothes. Somebody who needs shoes. Somebody who maybe doesn't know how they're going to make next month's rent payment or next month's utility payment. That's why ministries like Guiding Hands Pregnancy Refuge here at Evangel are so effective. Because people see Christ. They see the excellent, amazing, beautiful change that Christ has made in our lives. And they're changed. And they come to Christ. There are, I think, over a dozen members of our church now who had no idea about the gospel. They came through Guiding Hands Pregnancy Refuge. They're now baptized members of Evangel living for Christ, and they're working at Guiding Hands Pregnancy Refuge now. It's amazing. So I challenge you tonight. This is a question that we're going to talk about in small group time. The question that we're going to talk about is how will you shout out Christ through attractive actions tonight, tomorrow, the day after that, what are you going to do? This is the big idea. Shout out Christ. But how are you going to do it? Through attractive actions. Actions speak louder than words. And the most important thing that we can do is show the worth of Christ and how he's changed us by showing that love to somebody else. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we come before you and we are grateful that we are your people and that we have received your mercy and your grace and... We're loved. And we've been brought from darkness into light. Your shocking, amazing, crazy love, your grace amazes us. But so often we just want to tell people about what you've done. And we don't really want to live like you've changed our lives. We want the benefits of heaven. But we forget that there are thousands of other people surrounding us in the places where we live who need mercy just like us. Help us not to forget how you've changed us so that we show off who you are, shout out Christ through attractive actions. This is our desire, God. Give us ideas. Give us creative ways in which we can show the people who are watching us who you are and how good your gospel of grace really is. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.